We'll give you something to hold on to in tough times next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. You can be sure that tough times are on the calendar for each of us, even godly Christians. And at times, we may wonder why we're suffering or why God doesn't remove a painful trial from our lives. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll look at Paul's experience with a thorn in the flesh. He was suffering with it for over 14 years and asked God repeatedly to remove it. The Lord chose not to for a very good reason. Pastor Ed Taylor says there's something here in this story for us to hold on to when we encounter difficult times. He's covering 2 Corinthians 12. I love how the Message Bible puts it, the Message Paraphrase. In this paraphrase in 1 Peter chapter 4, this is how he writes it. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. And how we've memorized it is don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial that's about to try you as if some strange thing has come to you. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. With that in mind, we've just been in heaven with Paul. The heavenly vision, he feels awkward even having to share it. And he says now in verse 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. For 14 years and counting, Paul's lived with this thorn in his flesh. Why? So that he might be humbled before God and others. 14 years to the point of this writing, how do we know the time frame? Because he gives it to us earlier as he comes to visions and revelations. He says that he was caught up into the third heaven. In verse 2, 14 years ago. So from this revelation of heaven 14 years ago, at that same time, he was also given a thorn in the flesh around that time. And he's had it now. Why? Well, because he it needs, in his life, God has determined that this is going to be a tool to humble him before God and others. Because of these spiritual revelations, it'd be very easy for him to be puffed up with pride so that he would be exalted above measure. And he saw it both as a tool of God, and this is interesting, and also a messenger of Satan. And that's like, wow. He sees this as this thorn, as a tool of God, but also a messenger of Satan. What a torn, difficult place to be between heaven and hell. Basically what he's saying. Yes, God's using it, humbling me, so I don't become above, I don't, I don't become prideful above measure, but also, man, it's, mess, it's a message. Satan messes, me with, with, messes with me over this thorn. The word for thorn is another Greek word. This one I'm going to try. It's skolopos. That makes it sound a lot worse, doesn't it? S-K-O-L-O-P-O-S. It literally means something pointed, sharp, and it refers to in the ancient Greek language as a tent stake or a point on a large hook. That's what was given to him. 
So what was it? What was the thorn? Do you want to know the Bible answer? We don't know. It doesn't say. So if anyone ever comes to you and says, I know what the thorn was, it doesn't say. He doesn't say he was giving me a thorn and this is what it is. It just says, he describes it as a sharp tent stake. You know, and I, you know, just like at the picture of in the side or uh, like in Judges, the tent stake through the head. Painful, problematic, persistent. There are a few options if we look at the life of Paul, some things to consider, but we don't know for sure. The first one is a severe eye disease that he had in his eyes that would cause oozing pus to come out of his eyes every day. You know, we know he had something wrong with his eyes because in Galatians chapter 6, he had somebody write, look what what big letters I wrote the letter um, because he probably couldn't see it. Secondly, another option that some commentators have laid is the difficulty, this thorn is the difficulty of his enemies trying to destroy him. Thirdly, it could be physical pain of the aftermath of his trials, including stoning. I mean, we read that list of all the things he went through, and we think he comes out like a superstar, you know, just so buffed up, and he's rocky, you know, and he looks so good and glistening in the sun while he's running up the stairs. The brother is broken, and we already know that his body wasn't very big. He was like a, you know, a short guy with crooked legs, and, you know, that like they, it could be the, all the things that he went through after these trials in his life. Um, the, the fourth thing that is suggested is that there's the pain of losing his family. Because we never read of him, we never read of his wife or if he had any children. And you go, well, where does it say in the Bible that he was ever married? Well, the thing that we draw from that is that Paul was a part of the Sanhedrin, part of the voting. Remember, he voted, he cast a vote against Stephen when he was stoned back in, Acts, in the book of Acts. And because of that, that would put him in the ruling body of the Sanhedrin, and being in the Sanhedrin required you to be married. And then we never, after his conversion, we never read of his family ever again. And some commentators have said, perhaps that's it. But the Bible answer is, we don't know. Whatever it was, it was like a tent stake in his side that never went away. We know that for sure. That he saw both as a tool of God and a messenger of the devil. Verse 8. Concerning this thing... I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So whatever it was, Paul's prayers were saturated with the desire and the request to have it taken away, get it out of my life. And he mentions three specific times where he pleaded with God, The word plead refers to a a desperation of begging. A point of desperation. And who wouldn't ask God? Which one of us have gone through something that we wouldn't ask God? Get me out of this. I don't want to experience this. I wouldn't want this for my worst enemy, let alone me. Lord, deliver me and, and, and help me and rescue me and get rid of this. Use a different tool. Get the devil off my back. I don't know what your prayers sound like, but I'm certain they, your prayers of desperation, the Lord hears. So who wouldn't? I mean, we know Romans 8, 28, what does it say? God's working all things together. He causes all things together. Uh, Everything to work together for the good. Those that love God, those that are called according to his purpose, we know that. And yet at the same time, according to James, we also know that God uses trials in our lives to mature us, to make us somebody that we weren't. They're tools. They're working in us and for us, not against us. John, James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, whatever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. 
For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. And those of you going through a severe trial right now, you're like, can it come another way? Sure it can, but for now it's coming this way. This is the thorn. This is the scalapos, the tent stake, the pointy, the sharp. We know that nothing's wasted by God through our trials, of course. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I like their perspective. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us, and character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And still, like Paul, and even our Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, if there's any other way, Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Of course we want things to be taken away. We agree with Paul. And what's the answer? Verse 9. The answer is, okay, Paul, the thorn is gone. You're released. No? No, the answer was, Paul, you got to understand something. My grace is sufficient. It's Sufficient means it's enough my grace is enough for you. And this is why, because strength is being worked out in your weakness, Paul. Strength is being worked out in your weakness. Your human weakness allows strong spiritual strength. And like Paul, we ask for help from the Lord. And our gracious Heavenly Father answers with himself. That's the answer. God, I'm asking you to remove, and God says, I'm not removing you are getting me. <laughs> we ask for help, and God gives, him, gives us himself. And the purpose of prayer is not that I might give, not that God might give help to us, but that he might give himself to us. I love, this is how John Corson puts it. He puts it this way, and I quote, The Father says, you want me to take away the pain and to solve the problem and to get you out of the situation, but that's not what you need. You need me. And the very, very problem you're seeking to get away from, the very situation you desire to get out of, is the very one that's causing you to talk to me, spend time with me, and depend upon me. You'll be stronger when you're weak because you'll have no other choice than to draw strength from me. And you'll do better when you're weak because you'll have to rely on me. And that's one of those things you read in a commentary and you're just like, you can't do it on your Bible, but you could rip the page out of the commentary. Just rip it out and go, you're crazy. No. No, 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 no. No, I'm going back to verse 8. I don't like verse 9. There's got to be another page in here somewhere, something here. And, and the Lord says, man, you want something more than me? And I have to say that at times I, I actually do want something more than him. There are times when I actually think I know better than God. There are times in my human way of thinking that my solution's better than God's. And I'm reminded of Paul where his answer was, my grace is sufficient. That's the conclusion. And because of the sufficiency of grace, I have an opportunity now, he says in verse 9, to gladly boast in my weaknesses. I want God's power, not man's honor. And when I'm weak, then I'm strong. 
God's strength, the Lord says to us, will be made perfect in your weakness. Think about this. Consider this. He says, I'm going to boast in infirmities. In verse 10, I'm going to take pleasure in infirmities, and I'm going to take pleasure in reproaches, in needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So he received from the answer. He's telling the Corinthians, you're using all these things against me. They're trying to say that because I'm going through things that I'm not an apostle, or that it's not serious, or I'm not a real follower of Jesus, or it's somehow my problem. They sound, all these guys you're listening to, church, they sound like Job's counselors, but I want you to know that I did ask God about these things, and he answered me. And he said, you get me, Paul. That's what you get. That's your reward. You get me. You don't need honor from men. You don't need people to even understand what you're going through because you get me. You get me. That's what you get. And Paul's response is, I get him. Because I get him, hey, whatever comes my way, Whatever infirmity, reproach, need, persecution, anything that's for the sake of Jesus, I'm receiving. And I'll, I'll just, he says in verse 10, I'm taking pleasure. That, I mean, that's a pretty, he, he went from pleading and begging for something to go away to I take pleasure. That, that's a work of the Spirit. That's not a man saying that. That's a man that has been regenerated and reborn and filled with the Spirit of God that says, I'm taking pleasure in this. It's powerful. It's a goal. It's, it's the conformity of the, the work of Jesus in our lives that we might be. You, know, we go, I, you might say, Ed, I can't say that right now. It's okay. Just rest in the sufficiency of the grace of God. You don't have to feel like you don't measure up. Well, I'm not there yet. Well, Paul had a whole verse to get there. Take your time. You'll get there. This is a long, this is 14 years. We read from verse to verse, and you're like, man, I don't know. Well, this is 14 years. At least for this situation, 14 years since the thorn has really shown up. And we don't know at what point. Maybe he, I, we don't know exactly when he wrote this particular part where, where we know when he wrote it to Corinthians, but he, we don't know when he came to that conclusion. So don't beat yourself up. That's the last thing you need in trials, difficulties. Well, I'm not Paul. Well, you can be Paul in the sense that just receive the gracious sufficiency of Jesus. Just, I know you're asking for help and I know God's very able to give you help. But until the help comes, he reminds us that he's given us himself. And you'll recall when you were born again, that was enough then. Before you ever experienced anything, you're just so, man, Jesus, you're it. Man, this is crazy. I can't believe you love me. You forgive me of my sins. You're going to give me a chance to live a second. You're going to give me a second chance in my life. You're going to erase the slate that was against you. You're going to receive me. We're going to be in relationship. Man, that's it. That's everything. That's glorious. Yes, it is. And by faith, we can say, okay, when I'm weak, because the last part of that, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's true. You know, whenever we feel strong, whenever we think we can handle it, whenever we come across something that, you know, I can take care of that. We think we don't need help when we think we're very capable. When we think, well, you know, I've been here before and, and I've experienced this before. And we start to lean on our own understanding and we start to think, well, you know, I've been there before and, and I'm ready. There, there are eight, these are the areas that you're most apt to stumble or fall because you're trusting in yourself. It's, it's a paradox because from a young age, we've been taught to be strong and stand strong and stand up for yourself and have a voice. And, and, and that's all right in its context. But the voice that we really want is the voice of heaven. The voice that we really want is not our own. It's so I can handle this. Be careful. You go, well, Ed, I just said that. Well, I'm warning you right now. Be careful. Be careful that you, well, I can handle this. Really? Because the way I read the scriptures, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It's not when I'm strong, I'm strong. Or when I'm strong, I'm stronger. 
It's when I'm weak, the very thing I don't want to be when I come to a trial. The very thing that our own bodies seem, when the adrenaline rushes, the adrenaline rushes to make us prepared to face something. And so our bodies even work, right? The work of the flesh, our own human bodies work against this truth, let alone our own logic. But Paul says, and he's learned, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because Jesus said that. Strength is made perfect in weakness. And no matter how strong you are, if you're relying upon your own abilities and your own power and your own knowledge and your own education and your own capability and your own abilities to handle things and all of that that make you strong and make you feel strong and make you look strong, it doesn't matter how strong you are, one day you're going to come up against a situation that's bigger than you and you're not going to be able to handle it. That's coming. And if you're that kind of person, self-confident and capable, when you come up against a thing where you're not able to handle it, you're devastated and destroyed. You're undone. You see, it's in the areas where you're weak, you know that you're weak, and you know you've got to trust in the Lord, and you accept it. In those areas, it's where his strength is made perfect in your weakness, and you're able to stand, and you're able to stand. You're able to go through things that you never dreamed you would go through because you know that you can't go through it, so you're forced to rely upon the Lord. Listen to that. You can go through things as you recognize your weakness before God. You go, you're able to go through things that you never dreamed or ever thought you would ever go through because you know that you can't go through it, so you're forced to rely upon the Lord. That's a part of humanity. And it's when you're relying upon Jesus that you receive his strength. What a difference between my strength and his strength. What a difference between my wisdom and his wisdom. I mean, for goodness sake, I can't even find a scripture when it's right in front of me. I tell you to turn there, you guys are all there, and I'm not even looking at it right. It's just weakness. It's not because it's, I don't have my Bible. I'll blame it on that from now on until I get it back, but that's not why. It's not. It's because I'm a weak man. And that even when I'm looking for a verse, I'm one off. God wants me to realize how weak I am. Because when I, the more I realize that, the more I depend upon him. Even if it is in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, and you guys are looking at it like, this dude doesn't know what he's, where is he? Where is he? What's he reading? I don't know what word. He's telling me what word. I don't know what word. What word? What word? And you're like, yeah, be, why? Because in the simplicity of something like that, you, you look at the little mistakes you make, you try, well, I don't do that. And I, I, just listen. The weaker you are, the more God will reveal his strength in you. It's a bonus to re- realize how weak you are. It's a bonus in life. You know, you walk down the stairs and you hear all those noises that aren't the wood. It just reminds you, you, you might even pray, God, I need help with my body because you hear it. It's about ready to fall apart. I need help with my body. When's the last time you prayed for your aching knees? your perishing body. When's the last time you just really asked Lord, Lord, the Lord, hey, my, my body's perishing? Some of you know it. I'm, I'm speaking to you. You just did it. You're like, well, hey, this morning, this morning, amen. Yeah, I prayed this morning. And I prayed not only for my perishing body, but for the inward man to be renewed. I want to experience that, God. I know this body's going away. I know that this, my life is coming to an end. I know that everything that I'm trying to grasp at is just coming through my hands. This world system is just ripping us off. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace and his message, Something to Hold On to in Tough Times. You can hear it again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. 
Pastor Ed, I can't help but think someone listening right now can relate to the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh on some level. Maybe they've been praying about it for years and it hasn't been removed, and they're really discouraged about it. I'm going to hand the mic over to you so you can leave them with some encouragement as we close. Well, Larry, this thorn in the flesh, this tent stake, if you will, this source of great pain, this messenger of the devil himself, in some cases, to keep us humble, is something that we all share. You know, the closer we get to seeing Jesus face to face, the more that we will find the opportunity or the possibility, I should say, of having a thorn in our flesh, and something that just doesn't go away. Not only does it not go away, but in your crying out to the Lord, you've got that answer from heaven that just says, look, I'm not taking it away. Well, that's hard to come to terms with, and I, I want to acknowledge that. It's hard to come to terms with. But like Paul, that thorn in our flesh will draw out from us a desire for the Lord. It's almost like Jesus is saying to us, I know you want it take away, I know you want it gone, but that thorn is what's causing you to cry out to me. That thorn is what's causing you to depend upon me. That thorn is causing you deeper, greater worship in your life. And what you need is not for that thorn to be removed, but what you need is more of me. And so therefore, I'm going to leave that with you until you meet me face to face. And that's a hard thing, as I mentioned earlier, to receive, but it's a good thing to have more of the Lord. And so I, wanted, I just want to let you know I'm sorry that you're facing this thorn in the physical realm, but I'm encouraged that you have it in the spiritual realm. And I know that's some of the things in my life. I've got some thorns. I have multiple thorns in my life that have been there for, some, for quite some time, you know, one of them for six years and, and counting. And the Lord's just teaching me that He's sovereign over my life. And his providential care of me is more important than the thorn being removed. And that he knows what he's doing in my life. And he knows what he's going to do in my life. And here's the good news. For every single believer, what's true for me is true for you. And so would you just turn to Jesus today and acknowledge the pain and the hurt and the difficulty of the thorn, but also acknowledge his goodness, his graciousness, his faithfulness, and thank him for the deeper relationship that you have with them as a result. And you know what? You're going to get through today, and you're going to get through in his strength. And ultimately, when you do and as you do, he gets all the glory for great things he has done and continues to do. Great question. Thanks, Larry. Thank you for those words of encouragement, Pastor Ed. Each month, we pick out a book that we think can really help your walk with the Lord. And here in October, it's The Third Option by Miles McPherson. It's not hard to see that racial tension is high in America today. And maybe you're wondering, is there hope for a racially divided nation? I'm glad to say there is. In the third option, Pastor Miles shares what that is and encourages the reader to rise above the issues that divide us and be part of something bigger. You'll also be challenged to fully embrace God's goodness and power. To get a copy of The Third Option for a donation of $25 or more, just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again, 877-30-GRACE. And we also want to remind you that we are listener-supported. Abounding Grace airs all across the nation on stations like this one. But in order to do this, we look to our listeners to help cover the costs. You can now make a secure donation at our website 
at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Just click on Donate. Let's finish up the message now with Pastor Ed. What do you want? Your strength or His? Your wisdom or His? Your knowledge or His? Your ability or His? I hope so. I do. I know I'm not perfect in that area, but I want to be perfected. And how good it is, church, when I've learned to trust in the Lord and to draw from Him His strength. Just like Paul said in another letter to another church, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How does Christ strengthen us? Through human weakness. So remember that next time. I memorize. That's my memory verse. I learned it as a kid. I could do all things who Christ through Christ that strengthens me. And how does he strengthen? How is his strength made perfect? Weakness. Remember that. It's not made the other way around to build myself up. And No, no, no. It's simple abiding trust in the Lord. We'll return to 2 Corinthians next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with his abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 